Well, Viktor Frankl was an Austrian psychiatrist and he was also a Holocaust survivor. And he's known for writing several books throughout his life that are still used in reference today. My my wife is uh, working on her doctorate in psychology and she actually mentions him a lot in her studies. So that's how I became familiar with this guy. But in his book, um, The Feeling of Meaninglessness, Dr. Frankel talks about how individuals can find meaning and joy in their lives regardless of life's difficulties and circumstances. And throughout this book, he's always connecting joy to a person's ability to attach a sense of purpose to their life. That joy isn't something that a person just obtains through material objects and nice cars and fancy houses, but rather by living for something that's larger and bigger and greater than themselves. And the emphasis throughout this whole book um, is that we have to know the purpose and meaning in our lives in order to experience what Paul is talking about in the book of Philippians, experiencing true joy and fulfillment. Now, in probably Dr. Frankel's most famous book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning, he writes about his experiences and his takeaways uh, from his time in being in a concentration camp. And a couple of the quotes from the books that really spoke to me uh, were this. One, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. That just punched me right in the face. And another one was, everything can be taken away from a man but one thing the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. He talks about how men in the camp in this book, he talks about how men who survived all the torture and all the the things that they endured there, they were the ones that had a reason to hope for outside of the camp, whether it was a wife or a kid or something that gave them purpose to persevere all the torture that they experienced. And in it, he argues that even in the most dire and hopeless situations and circumstances, even in a Nazi concentration camp, people can still find a reason to keep on going if they have hope. And I'd say any man who endured a Nazi concentration camp and somehow found hope and joy in it, one is either rightfully crazy Or two, they have an understanding that this life is not just about ourselves, but that we are here for a purpose and to discover that and to chase the cause of the reason for we have for existing. And we see it in Paul. We see it in today's passage that in the middle of prison, he knows his reason for existing in that moment. And as we continue this series over the next few weeks, you're going to see this word joy almost every sermon that we preach. Throughout the whole book, you're going to see it more than any other word. But in it, you're going to see the connection between joy and purpose. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Amen? Amen. We're going to talk about that connection. And so the title of my message for us today is, Why Are You Here? Why are you here? Why am I here? Why are we all here? And ever since Paul, Lydia, the jailer, and the demon-possessed girl, they got together and they launched this church of Philippi. We've seen the last few weeks, over the last few weeks, these group of small people, uh, a small group of small people, a group of small group, yes, people, turn into a church. Michael, words. We see this small group of people turn into a church that even now, as Paul is in chains, they have to keep moving forward with what God has for them. 
And he prays with joy because of this partnership that Pastor Mark talked about. That's why he has joy. They're in a partnership in the gospel together because he understands that the purpose and the reason that why he is in chains. And he said it in uh, verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. You see, Paul isn't seeking joy in this moment. That joy comes from that unity and that partnership that comes from those group of people, that church of Philippi, the Philippian church, chasing the cause for why they planted, the cause for their existence of going out into the world, making more disciples, telling them about Jesus Christ, advancing the gospel, living their life worthy of something that is bigger than all of themselves, greater than all of themselves. Paul's not like, hey guys, I'm going to jail. I've got joy. I'm so blessed. No, Paul has joy because he knows that why he's there serves a purpose. That's why he says what's happened to me is actually served to advance the gospel. And it's evident when he tells them, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. You see, Paul's clear understanding of his uh, calling in life brought clarity to everyone else throughout the entire palace guard. All of Caesar's people are knowing why he is there. This clarity is the same clarity that brought clarity to the people and confidence to the other believers that were surrounded around him. This clarity is why Paul had joy. And here's what I'm learning, is that joy becomes inevitable when we align our lives with our creator's intent. That we have to be in line and know why God has put us here. And when we do that, when we know why our creator created us and the intent behind it, we have joy. We have peace. That even in the chains, we can have joy. Even in the face of job loss, we can have joy. You can have joy because you know whatever happens has a purpose. But catch this. Here's where I think that we mess up and with our perception of joy, I think often we get joy and happiness confused. You see, joy is an inner feeling. It's an inner thing that we just dwell in. Happiness is an outward expression that we show everybody else. Joy endures hardships and trials and always connects it to meaning and purpose. A person will be on the pursuit of happiness, but a person has to choose joy. Happiness is connected to a moment in time, but joy is always connected to a bigger meaning. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy is consistent. We have to choose joy, church. We cannot pursue happiness because things can steal our happiness. You know what gave Paul joy? Traveling and planting churches. Outside of the book of Philippians, if you know anything about Paul, this dude likes to travel all over the place. He's going to every city you can think of, planting churches all over the place. Rome, Corinth, Galatia, Ephesus, Philippi, Colossae, Thessalonica. I mean, just check out this map of his travels. Uh, He is traveling all over the place. Several times, Paul's first journey, Paul's second journey, Paul's third journey, Paul's journey to Rome. Like he is just getting around all over the place. He is on the move. Jesus said, go. He's like, when, where, and how long do you want me to be gone, Lord? He's basically like a girl that just got out of college and wants a little break from the world. And I'm just going to go travel Europe. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) He's on the move. And if you're someone that likes to travel and go all over the place, what would be the biggest killjoy for you? 
to be thrown into a box and told that you can't go anywhere anymore. That's what the Romans did to Paul. They said, hey, we got to stop this guy. Let's throw him in jail. Caesar is Lord, not this Jesus Christ guy that he keeps telling everybody about. Let's stop him. Let's stop his joy. Somebody asked me in prison, or asked me in prison, asked me last week. Y'all, my words are doing good this morning. I blame it on keto. I just started keto like four days ago, and they said that you would get keto brain. I blame it on keto. And uh, hey, y'all, hey, it's easy getting up here, let me tell y'all. But somebody asked me last week, if Paul was in prison, why did they let him write all of these letters in jail? And now this is completely Jason's commentary, so take it or leave it. You can do whatever you want. I don't really know the real answer behind this. But in my mind, I just imagine these arrogant Roman guards uh, are thinking Paul's writing something to these guys like, I really need your prayers. This place is scary. I don't know how much longer I can take this. Woe is me. But that's not at all what is happening here. Paul is over there boldly saying, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Paul doesn't have to question the meaning of life or curse God for his imprisonment. No, he knows why he's there. He knows that no matter where he is, God can use him to advance the gospel. From church planner traveling all over the world to a prison ministry, He's just like, okay, God, cool. You can use me here too. I'm good with it. He starts telling all the guards about it. He's like, hey, Marcellus, you ever heard about the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Hey, Stefano, what about you? Do you know about him? They're here. Let me tell you about him. Not only is this whole palace guard getting served the gospel, but obviously there are other Christians in this place too, because all of this evangelism that Paul has been doing is building up their faith. And it says, because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. He's showing them, he's leading by example, showing them how to choose joy and be bold regardless of their circumstances. And here's the principle that I see Paul teaching them, and I think it applies to us as well, is that I'm not afraid of any circumstance because my God is in control of every circumstance. He's giving them a live action version of Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for the good, for those who love God and what? are called according together for his purposes. That's why it's so important that your reason for existing in life is not uh, connected to some fleeting thing. Athletes, students, girls, like don't let your sports be your sole identity because one injury can ruin it all. And you'll just, you'll lose your joy. You'll lose your happiness. Adults, don't let your purpose in life be tied to your job title because one mistake One bad post, like anything, can get you fired or destroy your business. We have to let God determine our purpose in life. That way, no matter what circumstance happens to us, we do not lose our joy. And what Paul is telling the church of Philippi is that a house in motion cannot be confined to circumstances. He's like, I know you guys are worried. I'm so glad that y'all sent me this care package. It's great, but I'm good. Y'all keep pressing forward. Do not stop. And here's what the Lord has showed me in this is that your circumstances might have you stuck for a moment, but do not let it make you stop. Paul was in prison, but it did not stop his ministry. He kept moving even though he was stuck in these walls of this prison. He was stuck, but he did not stop. Your number one uh, job in life is to know God. And what you do in the world is an overflow of that. 
over that intimate relationship with him. So if knowing God is your number one job in life, you might lose your physical job, but you will never lose your job. You hear what I'm saying? You will never lose your job to go out there and tell people about Jesus and tell him, tell people about his goodness. If knowing God is your number one job in life, you might not play that sport for forever, but you'll never lose your purpose in life. And if you know God, you will always know why you are here. So my challenge for you is that every morning when you wake up, make it a priority to know your creator and you will know why you were created. And once you do that, once you start internalizing that, you'll start waking up and you'll start quoting Psalm 118 all the time. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. No matter what happens, no matter how great, no matter how bad, today is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. I might be stuck in a bad circumstance right now, but my God is good and I'm not stopping now. That's the kind of mindset that we have to have. I told you guys that probably three months ago, one time I preached, I said, I have this reminder set on my phone every morning at 7 a.m., and it's on there right now. I I haven't checked it off so I could look at it. You know what it says? It's going to be a great day because I have a father who loves me and has a wonderful plan for my life. Because you know what? Some days I wake up and I don't feel real joyful. Some days I wake up stressed. Some days are harder than others. Some days I got a hundred things that I need to get done and it feels like I don't have enough time to do it. And I'm all, I'm just like, my brain is racing. But then I look at something like that and I remind myself, I choose joy when I read that reminder because I'm telling myself a truth. I'm not listening to the lies of the one who is a prowling around like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. I'm listening to the one who is the lion, the lion of Judah, who is my creator, my father, my shepherd, the word from the the beginning. That's where I'm going to get my word from. I'm not going to get a word from some kind of lie in my head. Paul was surrounded by all kinds of circumstances. He was in a box. There were guards. There was unbelievers. There was all kinds of things going against Paul, but he still had joy. And he had joy because he knew that God was in control of all of it. So even if my circumstances seem to have me surrounded, I'm joyful because I know that my God surrounds my circumstances. Because our circumstances don't dictate our joy. God does. And I might not be happy about my circumstances, but it's all going to work out. It's all going to work out because I have a father in heaven who loves me and has a wonderful plan for my life. And so do you. You have a father in heaven who loves you and cares about you and has a wonderful plan for your life, a wonderful purpose for your life. He just wants you to know your created intent. Let's keep reading. He says, it's true. Some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. Listen, if if you don't know why you are here on earth you are naturally going to lean into whatever strengths that you naturally have. And that will be what you assume is your uh, created intent in life. I'll give you a couple of examples. Like if you're good at music, you're gonna, probably going to think, oh, I was created to be a singer or I was created to be a musician. 
Or if you're good at art, you'd be like, oh, I was created to be an artist. I can paint all these pretty things. Now, let's say you're a musician. Now, ask Dave if I could use him. Can you wave at everybody, Dave? Hey, that's, that's Dave. Dave is our electric guitar player. He was leading up here. He is phenomenal. Like those, those swells you were doing in gratitude, I always tell him swells like, I just feel the Holy Spirit so much when the swells are happening on his guitar. But he can just shred on an electric guitar. He's on the worship team. Now, let's say his identity, he believes, is only in being a musician. It's not. That's not what he believes. But let's just say that he believes his identity is in his guitar and his ability to, to, to play guitar. Now, let's say all of a sudden, one of y'all in the crowd says, hey, I want to play electric guitar. I'm pretty good at it. You audition, you make the team. All of a sudden, you're just as good, if not better, uh, than Dave. And Dave gets super insecure, right? He's like, oh. I don't know. If Dave's identity is solely in his guitar playing, he's going to be like, I'm going to break that guy's guitar strings. Like, who does he think that he is? This is my stomping grounds. But that, that's, that can't be our mindset. Maybe you're an artist and you like to paint. And you're like, I'm going to dip this guy's brushes in paint and watch it dry. If you're somebody that struggles with these things, one, you got an ego problem. And our prayer team would love to pray with you afterwards. But two, seriously, if the reason you are here is self-created and you think your identity is in some task, then everyone else who has the same drive and task and abilities in life, they will be a threat to you. And if I'm being honest, we see that in church all the time. Well, I can't support that church cross town because that pastor said this, and I don't agree with that. Well, no one should go to that church because they've got those people that go there, whatever that means. Well, no one should, uh, no one should go to that church because they believe in the five-fold ministry. Like, who believes in that anymore? That's just so weird. Those, those guys are cocoa for cocoa puffs. If these are the things that are coming out of our mouths as Christians, talking about other Christians, that is not a good thing. We are all on the same team. We all exist to proclaim Christ. Paul's like, I'm not threatened by them guys. I had a mentor of mine tell me this week that he knows a pastor that every single Sunday in front of everyone, he calls a church out by name and the pastor out by name every single week. But you know why he does that? to lift them up in prayer. He says, God, would you just use them today? Father, would you just be with them? Lord, their people, Father, would the ones that are in there that don't know you, would they just come to know a relationship with you? Father, I thank you that this church is in this city, that we are better together. He's praying blessings every single week. That's the kind of people that we have to be, the ones that not just support our church, but the big C church. We're here to build each other up and do this together. Church is already hard enough. Ministry is already hard enough. Why would we want to tear other people down when we would be so much better together? If a church is winning, guess what? If Heartland is winning, if Freedom Center is winning, if any other church is winning in life, in, in the city, guess what? We are winning as well. Praise God for that. We're going to celebrate those things. And I tell leaders on my student team all the time to live by the words of Jesus in Luke 17, verse 10. So you, when you have done all that you were commanded, just say this. We are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. 
When, when someone gives you a good compliment, when da- somebody tells Dave that he's a great guitar player and he absolutely killed it, man, I'm just an unworthy servant. By the grace of God, I get to do this. I'm just doing my duty. I'm just doing my part. If we take that stance, we will never think of ourselves as some high and mighty person, but only as a lowly servant that by the grace of God, we get to be a part of a movement of his spirit. And if we think that we are here because of our talents or something that we are good at, then when someone else comes alongside of us and they are better than us, they will rob you of your joy and your reason for existing. But if we know we are here on this earth solely to point people to Jesus and proclaim his name and that we are just unworthy servants doing only our duty, that is joy. That takes all the pressure off to produce something. But there's no joy in envy or rivalry. Joy is running alongside brothers and sisters that are on the same mission as you. Joy is banding together with brothers and sisters in the good times and the bad times. Joy is celebrating someone that has amazing gifts and talents and uses them for God's glory. Because why? Because it benefits the kingdom of God. Paul's like, yeah, those guys are selfish. They're trying to stir up trouble. What's it matter? What does it matter? Are they telling people about Jesus? Are people hearing about him? Then cool. Let them say, let them do whatever they want. This is not Paul's show. It's God's show. I'm going to have the right posture though. Everything that I'm going to be do is out of the ladder. I'm going to do everything out of love. I'm not going to let somebody steal my joy. As long as Christ is preached, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. He's like, y'all just keep praying, church. Keep praying. God's going to provide. I'll get out of prison. And I eagerly expect in verse 20 and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. He says, no matter what happens to me, I'm going to honor Christ with my body and with my life because this is why I am here. And then comes this amazing verse that we all like to quote and we all like to use and hang it up on our wall and put it on our Facebook banner. To live is Christ and to die is gain. We like that verse, right? And if you're a believer in Jesus, we all have a longing to be with Jesus Christ and be with our Savior and depart from this world. And when we lose a loved one, when we experience brokenness in our lives, when we hear of another school shooting or a shooting at a a prom after party, when another war breaks out, man, it's so easy for us to go, Lord, this is miserable. God, it would be so much better if you just let me die so I could be with you. I long for the day that I can be with my Lord and Savior. And then we go and we read a verse like this and we say, see, look, even Paul said it. It's better to die. Lord, just go ahead and take me. And we stop reading. But we cannot do that. Paul doesn't stop there. He says, if I am to go on living in the body, then this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yeah, it might take some work, but it's going to be fruitful. Yeah, what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. 
I desire to be a part, to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. He's torn between his flesh desire to be with God and just to depart in heaven and staying here on earth to continue the mission that God has given him to spread the gospel to as many people as he can. And you might feel with all the troubles in the world that you're ready for Jesus to go ahead and come back and take you home with him. But until he does, we are here for a reason. We are here to tell others the good news of Jesus Christ. We are here to bear one another's burdens together. We are here to fight together, not against one another. Jesus said in Matthew 24, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. But church, until then, we have to tell everybody about the life-saving power of Jesus Christ. Amen? Did you know that the world population just crossed the 8 billion mark. 8 billion, 8 billion people in our world. Here's the even crazier statistic. It is estimated that 158,000 people die every single day without knowing Jesus. That should break our hearts. That should break our hearts. Church, this world needs Jesus. He came and when he spoke and he gave out that great commission in Matthew 18 or 28 in verse 18 through 20, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He's given us a great commission. One command, go. The literal translation for that is as you are going. Not as you go out to Mexico or you go over to another country and spread the gospel. Yes, you can do those things and those things are amazing and you should. But as you are going throughout your daily life, you should be a walking testimony and telling people about the goodness of God and what he's done in your life and telling them how they need to know uh, Jesus as their savior. That's what it means to be as you are going. He's given us that command with two promises that all authority has been given to him, which he gives to us and that he will be with us always until the end. And there's three tasks. Make disciples, baptize, teach them to obey all that he has commanded. This is why Paul had joy even in chains. As he was going, as he was going to jail, he had joy because he knew it had meaning. He knew that there was people there that needed to hear the gospel. And you, as you are going, do these things and discover the joy that you get from walking in your created intent. Why God made you. You'll experience true joy when you deny yourself and the things that you want to do that please yourself. But take up your cross daily and follow Jesus. Then when something bad happens or circumstances aren't looking great, you will not be defeated because you know it serves a purpose. And listen, the purpose of this series is not to make us look more like Paul. It's not. This series to make, is to make us look more like Jesus, to be more like Jesus. And so to know why you are here and why you exist, you need to know why Jesus was here. He said in John 6, verse 38, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. If you don't know what God's will is, we hear that question line, well, what, what's God's will? Just look at Jesus. Look at what he did. Jesus said to his parents in Luke chapter two, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? John 14, 12, 
Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works. Catch this. They will do the works that I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Church, we are here to do the things that Jesus did. And he said even greater things. Fall in love with the Gospels and you'll see why you are here. And here's some things that Jesus came to do that we should be doing too. Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Are you out there seeking the lost, pointing them to Jesus, telling them about how he can save their life? Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Are you serving or just coming and being served? Matthew 8, Jesus healed a sick lady. Matthew 9, he heals two blind men. Matthew 10, he gives us this command. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Those are all things that Jesus did and he asks us to do the same. These are the things that he once done. He came down to this earth and did these things to introduce us to what the kingdom of God could look like here on earth. Think about the Lord's prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What's that next part? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what he wants. Yes, to die is to gain, but to live is Christ. We live to proclaim Christ. Church, live, live. Tell other people to live. Show them how to live. Uh, Jesus left so his father could send somebody better for us. His Holy Spirit, which empowers us to do these things. Church, we are a house in motion and we will find joy in loving the things that Jesus loved, doing the things that Jesus did. We align our lives with our creator's intent. Our circumstances might have us stuck for a moment, but we do not let it stop us. We rejoice because we have breath in our lungs and purpose in our life. And we give it back to Him every day until the day that we do die or the day that He comes back. We think less of ourselves and more about other people because this is why we are here. This is why. This is why. So why are you here? Let's point people to Jesus. 